Welcome to the Bosville Assembly of God podcast. We are a church of connection with God, with people, and our community. Join us each week for powerful messages from God's Word presented by our lead pastor, Dustin Dyke. And now, this week's message. Let's turn to the Word of God, and we're going to be in Acts chapter 1 this morning. Isn't it so good to be together at church? It is just a refreshing time as we get to spend time together and uplift each other and pray for each other. We had a lot of great times praying for each other throughout this week of prayer. And uh, truly, as we come to church, I believe another part of it is that we are empowered to go out for yet another week to share the gospel with others. So, oh, that was just a perfect sound for where we're about to be. Da-da! Right? Last week, we began a sermon series on the baptism in the Holy Spirit, and we talked about seeking Jesus. So, as an Assemblies of God fellowship, we have a set of 16 fundamental truths. That's a fancy way to say that there's 16 things that are pretty important to us in Scripture that we like to hold to, and and honestly, that we do hold to on an accurate basis throughout our biblical teaching on Sundays and throughout our ministries at our church. And one of those 16 fundamental truths that we're going to focus on today is the eighth one that says this, and it might be on the screen here if we're lucky. If our te- Yeah, would you look at that? Our tech worked out good today. Thank you so much. The eighth fundamental truth is this. The baptism of believers in the Holy Spirit is witnessed by the initial physical sign of speaking with other tongues as the Spirit of God gives them utterance. Okay, but before we get into this whole thing today, I want to ask you a simple question. Where do you go when you are in need of groceries? Kind of a simple question, right? Now you go to the grocery store. We understand that. You go to the grocery store. You don't just go into the street and start yelling, groceries, would you come to me, please? Food, I need you. Come to me right now. Now, if you have Instacart, an app that you can go on to and order food, you could actually order it and then start shouting, groceries, come to me in the street, and they would eventually show up at your house. But that's because of an Instacart app. But you can't just do that at random. Now, let's reverse this 15 years for a moment when you couldn't order on your phone. When you needed groceries, you had to go to the source, you had to go to the grocery store, you had to go to where the food was. And in today's message and throughout this series, the focus on seeking Jesus is just that, seeking Jesus, because he's the giver of this gift of the baptism and the Holy Spirit. And when one is filled with the baptism, we believe that the outward sign is that they begin speaking in tongues or speaking in a language that people cannot understand and you may not understand it either at times. So I'll be in Acts chapter 1 to start out this morning. You can grab those pew Bibles if you'd like to. I'll be in the English Standard Version. Uh, And if you've got another version that's really not a problem, it's just not going to line up with the exact words that I'm reading. So for my visual learners in here, you may not be able to follow along as well, so maybe just grab the Bible in front of you and we'll all be able to follow along well. Uh, If you've come to church uh, and you are a newcomer and you don't know the Bible very much, you are welcome here and we're glad that you're with us. Uh, These Pew Bibles, I think, will be of great help to you. We're going to be on page 1080 in in these Pew Bibles, 1080 in these pew Bibles. That just gives you an easier way to follow along as uh, we give you a page number. So let's look at this from a biblical perspective this morning, where we left off last week. Let me briefly summarize how we ended last week. I gave many biblical accounts of Jesus' life and ministry. I talked about how Jesus began his ministry by calling 12 disciples to assist him in the ministry. 
But after time went on, Jesus began to talk about he would die and raise again. And eventually, he did that. Jesus died for the sins of the world on the cross. And I can't just skip over this part like it's just a fact for the morning because it means so much to me. Jesus dying on the cross was a gift to all of us that we did not deserve. And I am so grateful for the sacrifice that Jesus made for me. His sacrifice meant my eternal life, and I am so grateful. And once he died on the cross, Jesus rose again. Somebody say amen this morning. Jesus is alive. Jesus lives. And when he rose from the dead, he told his disciples that they would be baptized in the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Acts 1.8 on the screen says, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. And right after that verse, Jesus ascended into heaven. Right after that verse, he ascended into heaven. Now think about this for a moment. Jesus said these words, and then he was gone. These were the last words that he spoke on this earth. Now, if I were to conjure up what my last words would be on this earth, I would try personally to think of something that's really important because I wouldn't want to waste my breath in the last few moments I had to influence the people that might be around me on this earth. So, I'd try to think of something important. I'd try to think of something that would make lasting impact. What would you say if you had only one more sentence to live on this earth? I'm pretty sure that for you, it might be well thought through. And Jesus Christ, the Savior of the world who had just risen from the dead after sacrificing his life for the sins of the world, he surely thought through what this last sentence was going to be. He surely thought through this. Surely what Jesus said was of vast importance. It was of great impact, and he was very intentional with the words that he spoke right before he ascended into heaven with these words right here. Now, obviously, what Jesus said about the Holy Spirit was something that he wanted each of us to take part in. So, moving on in this story, then there were disciples gathered and a bunch of other people, 120 total people, men and women alike, in an upper room where they gathered to pray in unity to Jesus together. They were seeking Jesus in this moment. And then we get to Acts 2, verses 1 through 4. That might be a little small there, my apologies. But it says this, When the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place. And suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. And divided tongues as of fire appeared to them and rested on each one of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. So here it is. This is the giving of the Holy Spirit to the church. It had finally come. What Jesus said came through. Again, it's amazing to see the Old Testament prophecies that came true about Jesus in the New Testament. But then even in the New Testament, there was this prophecy. Jesus said in Acts 1, the Holy Spirit will come. You'll be baptized in the Holy Spirit. And the chapter later, they were baptized in the Holy Spirit. They were seeking Jesus. And suddenly, from heaven came this mighty rushing wind, and it filled the house. Listen, wind doesn't flow through a house, typically, unless you've got an air conditioner. In these times, they didn't have an air conditioner. They could have had windows open, maybe. But regardless, whatever the situation, however it happened, the wind came in this upper room, and these divided tongues as of fire appeared, 
and came to rest on each one of them. And some of us who have read this already think, oh, yeah, yep, yep, I've read that. That sounds good. That sounds good. But to the first person viewing this, some of our people not as, not as familiar with the Bible, it's like, what a fire and a, a tongue and just here and it just, just seems a little odd. But this is what happened. Divided tongues as a fire rested above them. And this is interesting. Biblical illustrator commentary mentions this uh, about the, the tongues of fire that rested on them. It says, it was a tongue of fire to show that God's ministers speak not coldly as though they had tongues of ice nor learnedly as with tongues of gold nor arrogantly as with tongues of brass nor pliantly as with tongues of willow nor sternly as with tongues of iron but earnestly as with the tongue of flame their words consume sin scorch falsehood enlighten the darkness and comfort the poor somebody say amen this morning used fire. They were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues. We call this being baptized in the Holy Spirit. We know of one other baptism in the Bible, and that's water baptism. We follow this ordinance as Scripture instructs us to. It is one of our fundamental truths called the ordinances of the church. The two ordinances of the church are Holy Communion and water baptism. So water baptism is the other kind of baptism. But Jesus... Right here in Scripture, in Acts 1, talked about this baptism that would come in the Holy Spirit, right? In Acts chapter 1, verse 5, it says, Jesus said, For John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. This is what Jesus said. Now, we as an Assembly of God Fellowship believe that this instance is still happening even up till today and beyond. There is nowhere in Scripture that it says that the baptism in the Holy Spirit ever stopped. So there's no reason to believe that it ever ended. Some people say, well, when Jesus ascended into heaven, then that was the end of speaking in tongues. Well, no, look back. Jesus ascended into heaven, and then he sent the Holy Spirit. And they were baptized in the Holy Spirit. So no, it didn't end when Jesus ascended into heaven. He said that he would send the Holy Spirit to empower Christians, to be His witnesses. And truly, what I believe in this, as we're filled with the Holy Spirit, we make ourselves available to be used in whatever capacity God wants to use us in. Now, I want to go over the importance of what it means when we receive the baptism, I'm sorry, when we receive the Holy Spirit at conversion and when we receive the Holy Spirit baptism. There's a difference. There's two types of this filled with the Spirit, and there's some people that get hung up on this, but I think that we can clearly define this today so there's no more confusion. There's a difference between being filled with the Holy Spirit at your conversion experience, right? We believe that when you accept Christ into your heart, that the Holy Spirit lives inside of you. Ephesians 1.13 says, In Him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation and believed in him were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit. So believers in Jesus have the Holy Spirit inside of them. There's some people that think, well, if I'm not filled with the Holy Spirit, that means I don't have the Holy Spirit inside of me, but I thought that I did have the Spirit. You do. You're filled with the Holy Spirit. You, you have the Holy Spirit inside of you as was promised, right? So believers in Jesus have this. And that's one experience with the Holy Spirit. Conversion. The Holy Spirit's there in your heart at conversion then to convict our hearts of sin. He's there to guide us in daily decisions. He's there to help us with life. And then separate from that experience with the Holy Spirit is being filled 
with the baptism in the Holy Spirit and speaking in other tongues. And just as we read in the book of Acts, Luke talks about how the believers were together in the upper room and they were seeking Jesus and they began to speak in tongues when the Holy Spirit fell upon them. They weren't being weird. Other people thought that they were being weird, but they weren't being weird. And they weren't seeking to speak in tongues. They had no idea what speaking in tongues was even going to be about. So how could they seek it when it had never happened in the history of the world? All they knew was that Jesus said, you'd be baptized in the Holy Spirit. What did that mean? They didn't know at the time. So when we seek Jesus and when we do speak in tongues, we believe that this is the passageway, so to speak, into opening yourself up to whatever the Holy Spirit would want to do in and through you. It isn't some weird club. It's not some weird thing that when you're baptized in the Holy Spirit that you just are in a special little group now at a church. No. We believe it's just a gift that God freely gives. And as an Assemblies of God fellowship, we don't believe that speaking in tongues is a requirement for going to heaven. There are some fellowships, some denominations that believe that, but we don't because there's nothing in Scripture that says that that's required. But this is what this means. If you aren't filled with the baptism in the Holy Spirit, and if you don't speak in tongues, but you have accepted Christ into your heart, you're still saved. You're still saved. There's not even a special place in heaven for those who have the baptism in the Holy Spirit. You're good. You're fine. Spiritually safe. But I would say this. There is more than just salvation. Salvation is amazing and it's everything we need to get to heaven it's everything we need to have eternal life it's everything we need to be freed from sin but i want to encourage you today open up to the fact that there is much more in your relationship with god much much more now there's a few types of speaking in tongues one is the heavenly prayer language speaking in tongues for your personal prayer time like we read about in acts chapter 2 there's two different types of this. One is you're speaking in tongues in your personal prayer language, and the other time is speaking in tongues in a public worship setting. Many of you who have been at our church for a while have been in our worship services at times where somebody starts shouting out something that sounds, you can't understand what they're saying, right? You hear somebody shouting, they're speaking in tongues, they have a word that God has given them, they're speaking in tongues, and then they might sometimes interpret what was said in tongues, or somebody else might interpret what was said in tongues. Regardless, they're speaking in tongues in prayer time. Personally, they're speaking in tongues in the public worship setting, and we see this as referenced in 1 Corinthians 12. We believe that this is a gift of the Holy Spirit that God can and probably will use somebody in if they're willing. Now, we're going to focus on the public worship setting in a few weeks. But today we're going to focus on this first step, which is being baptized in the Holy Spirit. 1 Corinthians 14 says this, For one who speaks in a tongue speaks not to, men, not to men, but to God, for no one understands him, but he mutters mysteries in the Spirit. When we pray, when we pray in tongues, we utter mysteries in the Spirit. What does that mean? I believe that means that when we don't know what to pray, we should pray in tongues. Because the Holy Spirit knows what the need is even before you begin to pray in English. But the Holy Spirit also knows what you need even when you don't know the words to pray. 
Have you ever heard that song that says, when I don't know what to say, just say Jesus, or when I don't know what to pray, just say Jesus? We can do that, and that is exactly what we should do. Jesus, I don't know how to handle this problem. Jesus, I need you. Jesus, I can't do it on my own. I need your help because I don't even know what I need. I'm a mess. I I need your help. We say Jesus in that moment, but we can also pray in tongues because we believe that the Holy Spirit knows what we need and we can use this prayer language to pray when we don't even know the English words to pray. We're praying to Jesus words that we don't understand, but he does. We can use speaking in tongues in our personal prayer time as we're praying for other people. So if you're up here and you're receiving prayer, you know, we, a lot of times we do prayer at the end of service, and you're praying and someone comes up to you and it sounds like you can't understand any words they're saying. It sounds like Japanese. It sounds like Chinese. You know, some language you don't understand. That person, most likely, is praying in the Spirit over you. Or there's a Japanese visitor who's praying in Japanese. <laughs> but most of the time, you're going to find that it is somebody who is praying in tongues over you, praying in the Spirit, because guess what? We don't know all the needs of your life. And even if we did, our human words just aren't enough to portray to God what your need is, so we pray in the Spirit. So we saw one instance where the 120 were filled with the baptism in the Holy Spirit, right here in the book of Acts, and then it gives Peter power to witness. It gives Peter power to witness as he then goes on to preach a sermon, and he tells the people to repent and be baptized, and that day... 3,000 people were baptized in water. Get this, understand this first. They received Jesus, and they then, then they were baptized in water. 3,000 people. Listen, we can't do that kind of Jesus work on our own behalf. The first sermon that was preached after Jesus sent the Holy Spirit and after Peter was filled with the baptism in the Holy Spirit resulted in 3,000 people giving their hearts to Jesus. The population in Byesville is under 3,000. So just recognize that it was more than the village in Byesville that got saved that day and were baptized in water. Now, in biblical history, there's a term called normative. And I want to go over this today because I really believe that this is important for us to know. According to Collins Dictionary, and not even in biblical history, just in uh, the dictionary in general, the word normative. According to Collins Dictionary, this term means creating or stating particular rules of behavior. And when the word normative is used in reference to Scripture, like if I were to ask if a given piece of Scripture is normative, what would you say? I would be asking you that if what you see in Scripture is a normal occurrence and if it would happen today. So is this piece of Scripture normative? I'm not sure. Does it line up with the rest of the Bible? And is this for today as well? So, normative. And there's other instances in Scripture where, this, where that occurrence happens. So, let me ask this question. With the word normative, is speaking in tongues normative? Is speaking in tongues normative? When we look at Scripture in the Bible, I, I cannot just look at one Scripture verse and take it out of context and make it mean what I want it to mean. That's, personally, me not being a good student of the Word, and it's also not even me being a good reader. You don't just read one thing and believe it. When you read one thing online, you don't believe it. You, you, you try and take it in context. You try and see what's around it. You see if it lines up with everything else around it. 
So let's take a look at other scripture that talks about people speaking in tongues, being baptized in the Holy Spirit. We're still in the book of Acts, but chapter 8, it's right on the screen here, just a few chapters ahead of where we were is where we're going to pick up in 8.14. This is another instance where people get filled with the baptism in the Holy Spirit, verses 14 through 17. It says, Now when the apostles at Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the word of God, they sent them Peter and John who came down and prayed for them, that they might receive the Holy Spirit, for he had not yet fallen on any of them, but they had only been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus, meaning that they were baptized in water. Then they laid their hands on them, and they received the Holy Spirit. So, right, Samaria had heard about the word of God. They had accepted Jesus, baptized in water. Then they send Peter and John to pray for them, that they would receive the Holy Spirit. This proves the doctrine of subsequence, big word. What it means is this. You receive the baptism in the Holy Spirit and speaking in tongues after you give your heart to Jesus. Subsequent to salvation, after salvation. No one receives the Holy Spirit, the gift of the Holy Spirit, before accepting Christ into their heart. So people in Samaria had accepted Christ into their heart. They were prayed for. They were baptized in water. And then when they were prayed for, they received the baptism in the Holy Spirit. As an Assemblies of God Fellowship, we see this scripture and understand that speaking in tongues is truly the initial physical evidence of baptism in the Holy Spirit. The next verse, Acts chapter 10, verses 44 through 46, says this, While Peter was still saying these things, the Holy Spirit fell on all who heard the word, and the believers from among the circumcised who had come with Peter were amazed, because the gift of the Holy Spirit was poured out even on the Gentiles, for they were hearing them speaking in tongues and extolling God. Again, the baptism in the Holy Spirit was poured out on those who accepted Jesus and they began to speak in tongues. Now, there's more scriptures like this in the list that I have available back at the Welcome Center and in the pictures that I posted on Facebook and Instagram last week. You can read them for yourselves, but please hear this morning. It's not weird. Is it different when someone speaks in tongues and you've never heard it before? Yeah, it is a little different. When they first did this, these people thought that that, uh, Peter and the believers were drunk. And so, yeah, at first glance, from the very first glance at speaking in tongues, they thought they were drunk, but they were not. They were filled with the Holy Spirit. They were filled with the Holy Spirit. But for the person who is speaking in tongues, the presence of Jesus, anyone who's filled with the Spirit in this place understands this today, that the presence of Jesus comes over you in such a way that it is so great that there's such an urge to speak the language that God has given you. And it gives you then power, power to witness. I want to share my personal experience with being baptized in the Holy Spirit. I shared it a few months ago, but since we're in this series, I'd really like to share it again. I remember when I was in college and I was interning at a church and something happened at church that day that made me upset. Have you ever been to church and gotten upset? No, I'm just kidding. Don't, no, please no. But I was upset. I left church and something happened. Somebody said something to me. I was just over the top. I was mad. And so I can't honestly remember. I, if I could remember, I'd tell you the situation. I don't remember what actually happened. But I knew I was mad. I remember that feeling. And I got back to college from church. And I didn't even drop my stuff in my dorm room. I, remember, I marched straight down to an empty classroom. And I cried out to God in my anger. I was mad. I didn't even have words to say. I was so upset. And in my moment of not being able to find words, I turned to God and I put my focus on God and because I couldn't get it into words, 
I said the name of Jesus, just as I talked about before. The name that is above every other name. I said, Jesus, I need you. Jesus, I desire for you to come to my rescue. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. And in that moment, all of a sudden, I remember being so overcome with the presence of God that I began to speak words that I had never spoken before that moment. It was a heavenly prayer language that was new to me. It happened to me. But the words that came off my tongue felt like it was very natural. I was filled with the baptism in the Holy Spirit in that moment. I wasn't seeking to speak in tongues. I was mad. (laughs) I was seeking Jesus. I was seeking Jesus. I didn't want anything spiritual. Jesus, what are you doing, right? I was seeking Jesus because I had a problem. But in that problem, I sought Jesus. I sought Jesus. I wasn't begging God for tongues. Sometimes we do that and we get down this road that we don't need to be on. We don't seek God for speaking in tongues. We, I was begging God for Jesus to do something in my life that I didn't even know how to put into words. Whether it was bring me peace or comfort. I just didn't know the words to pray. But I believe in that moment, God gave me my heavenly prayer language and I began to speak in tongues And I continue to use that prayer language in my personal prayer time. I continue to use that language as I'm worshiping sometimes. And um, I'm not, you know, maybe in between part of the singing parts of a song, I'll I'll speak in tongues and pray to God. Uh, If I'm praying for somebody, you might hear me speaking in tongues, praying behind you. Um, I'm, I'm not trying to make you feel weird or uncomfortable. I'm just praying in the way that I know how to because I don't know all the needs. And uh, just because I'm the pastor at a church doesn't mean I can figure out every situation and how to solve it. So I, I lean 100% on Jesus so that I don't try and handle things on my own and I, I fall on his grace and, and he saves me every time and gives me what I need. So being baptized in the Holy Spirit, why do we seek Jesus? Why seek Jesus to receive the baptism in the Holy Spirit? Because I believe it's a gift that is available to you to be used even more by Jesus to be a witness for him. It's a gift that Jesus gave to us. It's a gift that Jesus willingly is giving to you. In order to receive a gift, we must be willing to stretch out our hands and receive this gift. We can't receive a gift with closed fists. But we open our hands and we say, Lord, we seek you, we need you, we want more of you. Would you fill me with your spirit? Jesus, we need you. Kendra, would you come forward to the piano this morning? Before we take this opportunity to be filled with the Holy Spirit, I have to tell you a greater story. Is there something greater, I believe? Romans 5.8 says that God demonstrated his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners... Christ died for us. Listen, church, this is the best gift you can ever receive. That's the gift of salvation in Jesus Christ. Maybe you feel broken, you feel dirty, you feel guilty, you feel sinful, you feel messy, you feel uninvited, you feel separated from God today. Jesus wants to put you back together and he has an open invitation to accept him into your heart today. Romans 3 says that we've all sinned so none of us can truly escape the grip of sin. Each one of us. And Romans 6.23 says that we deserve death and hell because of our sin but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. So if you're in this room today and you want to receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior, I'm going to just invite you to take a bold step and stand this morning.
I know sometimes we close our eyes, sometimes we don't, but today I just feel led in this direction. It's a bold step, I get it, standing up in front of everybody. But I just invite you to make that bold declaration if you want to accept Jesus Christ into your heart today, that you can do that. Just stand up from your seat if you want to do that, and we're all going to pray together this morning. Don't worry about what others are feeling around you. Don't worry about what others are thinking around you. A lot of us came with somebody else today. Just feel free to truly make this decision if you decide that you want to follow Jesus with all of your heart whether it's a recommitment or a first time commitment you're welcome to take a stand this morning and we will pray with you thank you for listening this week if this program has been a blessing to you we hope you will reach out and connect with us online at our website at buysvilleag.org or connect with us on our social media platforms on Facebook it's Buysville Assembly of God or on Instagram, it's at Buysville AG. Have a wonderful week.